Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Philly Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here at another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports, biggest issues. We got some WNBA finals previews to do, but first, it was the opening weekend of NFL football, so let's send out some gold stars and attentions to some guys in the NFL. Our first gold star is going to go to an impromptu kicker, Justin Reed. Yes, the same Justin Reed that also plays safety, stepped in for some kicking duties for the Kansas City Chiefs in their big win over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Butker, the starting kicker, went down hurt, and Justin Reed stepped in and went one for two on extra points and booted his kickoff out the back of the end zone. I got to say, I was really, really impressed to see the versatile athlete. looks like he may have played some soccer in high school and was the kicker on his high school team, and we saw in the preseason he booted one through the uprights as well, but wild to see a position player a safety step in and do kicking in a regular season NFL game and it was not at all gimmicky they really really needed him because at the moment it was only you know I guess his first extra point was to go from 13 to 14 point lead it was still a very very tight contest in the first quarter and Justin Reed didn't know how long they were going to need him for so shout out to Justin Reed and the Kansas City Chiefs for that one in a similar vein, we're going to give a detention to, I guess, I want to say Evan McPherson, but I could really give it to the entire special teams unit going with Cincinnati. Uh, McPherson had an extra point blocked at the end of regulation and missed a field goal in the overtime to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just the same Pittsburgh Steelers that are dealing with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. The same Pittsburgh Steelers that are dealing with a TJ Watt injury. The same Pittsburgh Steelers that lost Najee Harris to another injury mid-game. The same Pittsburgh Steelers that are lacking identity in a lot of ways besides having Mike Tomlin on the sidelines. They came out and beat the Bengals in overtime in Cincinnati, and again, if McPherson and the special teams unit makes extra point at the end of regulation, it does not happen. They never even get to overtime. I will say that, obviously, McPherson's the name that we know, 
or I should say that most people know Mitchell Wilcox is their backup tight end. He was also their backup deep snapper, and the snap on the extra point to end regulation was a little slow, leading to a block. The snap on the field goal that would have won in overtime was a little high, which again meant that it was tough to get down, laces were on the wrong side, etc. So I could pass the middle around to a number of different things, but I have to say that all in all, if we're going to gold star Justin Reed for stepping in a backup role with the Chiefs, it only feels right that we come here and give out some detentions for not being ready to have second or third unit type of guys just in case, you know, break glass case emergency type scenarios in Cincinnati. Gold Star is going to go to Saquon Barkley for his 18 carry, 164 yards, and a touchdown against the Tennessee Titans. Again, on the other side of the field, he had Derrick Henry, who went for 21 carries and 82 yards and no touchdowns. And I think it's really, really important to realize that this was a coming out party for the new Saquon Barkley. Saquon obviously missed a lot of time injured in the last couple of seasons, and it's good to see him back on the field and back thriving. Obviously, his punishing running style was a big, big part of how the New York Giants ended up being able to push that last touchdown in. Uh, he didn't score the touchdown himself. He led throughout the drive, and then he has the two-point conversion down the stretch. It's also worth noting that all reports indicate he and the Giants won the rock for that two-point conversion to take the lead when they could have just kicked a field goal and tied it up. They take the lead, and then the defense holds, and Tennessee misses a field goal at the buzzer win for the Giants. As much as it pains me to say, win for the Giants, and shout-out to Saquon Barkley for taking the rock into his own hands and for the dominant performance in his first game back in what feels like a really, really long time for us. So I know it feels like a really, really, really long time for him. This detention could probably go to any and all of the Green Bay Packers receivers. They had trouble getting separation from the Minnesota Vikings all day long. But we're going to save it specifically for Christian Watson. Uh, now, it was early in the game. You can argue a lot of stuff comes afterwards. But in a, it looks like to me as I'm watching this, they don't have the all 22 in front of me, but a cover three defense. He manages to beat the corner deep behind, and Aaron Rodgers leaves out a beautiful ball. At the time, they're just down 7 nothing, and the ball goes directly through the pinkies of Christian Watson. And what would have been a jog-in, I don't want to say walk-in because there were guys on his tail, but a jog-in touchdown for the Green Bay Packers. Interesting to say that that probably sets up a completely different football game because well, the Packers didn't lose by just seven, but they were never really in it competitively at any point in the game. And that was so, so early that you wonder how that does shape the rest of the football game. If they're there at 7-7, seven, seven, it's a little bit more pressure on the Vikings to so the defense play for Green Bay with a little bit more juice. Obviously a bigger deal in this game that they could not cover Justin Jefferson, and I don't really understand how that happens. I guess I could hand out attention to the entire Green Bay Packers defense because apparently just changing sides of the field and going from outside receiver to slot receiver changes all of the things that the Packers do. They can't find number 18 when it matters. I don't understand how that happened either, and I understand that that probably does play a bigger role in the outcome of the game, but I just feel like if Watson hauls that in, it's an easy, easy catch. He's jogging into the end zone. It feels like a tie game. There just seems to be a little bit more mojo all of a sudden. Instead, he drops it, and things continue to fall apart for the Packers the rest of the way. Now, if you only look at the stat lines, this is going to be an interestingly low gold star. I'm going to gold star to Justin Fields, who went 8 for 17 for 121 yards and two completions with one pick, and the Packers win over the Niners. Until you start to put together that that Chicago win came in a slop. 
I mean the kind of slop where the Bears are sliding across puddles in the end zone to celebrate at the end of the football game. And while there are some cool pictures and videos of that celebration and how cool that moment is, I think it's worth pointing out that that moment only happens if you got a guy like Justin Fields who can control his play the best he can no matter what the weather is, adjust for the elements, and lead a team again against a 49er team that has high hopes for this season. I understand that it's week one, it's Trey Lance's first start, etc., but that Niners team is hoping to be playing in late January and February, and the Bears, in the same elements, took it to them. Now, this wasn't a frozen tundra, Chicago home field advantage, typical type of situation. This was puddles and puddles and puddles over the field. No team really prepares for that. And so I think it's interesting to see that Justin Fields, even though his stat line looks mundane, was able to do that in such crazy conditions and eke out the victory. Two touchdowns and a one score, or I guess nine points is technically a two score game, is a big, big deal. And going back to the Cincinnati Bengals, we're going to hand out another detention to Joey B. Now, people that listen to the show probably think I hate Joe Burrow. I thought I settled that claim with Yaz on that episode a couple weeks back. Do you remember that episode with Yaz? She's a big Cincinnati Bengals person. I said, you know what? My big thing was I thought that they paired him up with talent in LSU and he looked really good. And so then Cincinnati did the same thing and he looked really good again. No, we don't, we don't remember. Anyway, I don't have a whole bunch of problems against Burrow. I just try to be realistic in my analysis of guys. But I will say in watching Burrow on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he did throw four picks and have a fumble. And while he accumulated a lot of yards because they had the ball a lot because like one of those picks goes for six. And the Mitchell Trubisky offense is not exactly high powered and going really, you know, long distance on the field and so on. So Joe Burrow had the ball a lot. And even Najee Harris on the other side wasn't like keeping the ball away from him with running the ball on the ground because he got hurt yet again. I just feel like that was a bad, bad performance coming out of a season where they exceeded expectations. So now that they have expectations, I think everyone kind of assumed that, yes, Pittsburgh has a good defense, but Cincinnati was going to be able to at least like throw the ball to the right team. And that proved to be fairly difficult. Speaking of throwing the ball, I'm going to give a gold star to my running air quotes quarterbacks that threw the ball exceptionally well this week that's Lamar Jackson who went 17 to 30 for 213 yards and three touchdowns as well as Josh Allen who went 26 for 31 with 297 yards and three touchdowns I think what's interesting about both of these guys is we think of their big weapon being their legs obviously they use their legs very differently Lamar Jackson more of an elusive shaky kind of guy that hits top speeds and is uncatchable I mean there's quite frequently a lot of NFL fields where he is the fastest person on the field and Josh Allen is more of the Cam Newton style runner right big thick legs he doesn't have no moves I'm not saying he has no shake in his game but he really does run much more downhill and run through defenders who could forget the big stiff arm he laid on Thursday night but these two guys also quietly did it through the air with their arms and stacked up great great wins against we'll say defenses I don't want to give the Jets too much credit but uh, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, put up 24 points against the New York Jets. And Josh Allen put up 31 points against the L.A. Rams. And the L.A. Rams are not quite the same Rams of old. They lost Vaughn Miller and Jalen Ramsey. Looks like he's lost a step. But I will say both of those teams put up big, big wins to open the season. And they did it with the arm of their quarterback, not just the legs. And I think that's the real important thing to take note of is that that was not really how we saw it happening. I think both teams 
could have been seen to win. It wasn't impossible to project that the Ravens or Bills win their openers, but the way they did it, I think, is going to be important down the line. All right, now Parby wants to figure out a way to give gold stars to a bunch of new coaches right here. I really like the nerd out going across the NFL, probably because I'm a little bit of a nerd myself. I like what McDaniel's doing in Miami, right? You could have Dayball on that new coach bingo card in New York as well. Even Lovey Smith, who's not new, new to football, has a first season in Houston where they did not lose to the Indianapolis Colts under his belt. But I'm going to give a detention right here to a little bit older coach in Dallas. Now, I think it's worth mentioning that as I'm recording this, I guess technically there's a minute and 18 left, but the Dallas Cowboys have scored just three points in an entire game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I understand that the Bucs have a good, good defense, and I don't mean to say that they're not a team with Super Bowl aspirations. They've got 12 at quarterback. Most teams with 12 at quarterback do. I will say that Tom Brady does not play defense, and I will say that the Dallas Cowboys invested a lot of money into that offense. And we can talk about Zeke and the running back contract in itself at a separate time on a different podcast. But I will say at this point that I would have thought a receiver core with CeeDee Lamb in the way could at least find some ways to get separation from guys playing zone coverage. Yes, I understand that Noah Brown and Dennis Houston are two guys getting a lot of snaps for Dallas that probably won't when Michael Gallup gets back. But I do think in zone, I could put anyone that runs a NFL receiver type 40-yard dash out there and put them in spots to get them into space where the zone is soft, especially if the defense is going to be looking at CD, Zeke Pollard, and Dalton Schultz like they did all night. I think I can get a normal NFL receiver into a spot that's at least a softer spot in the zone to get an easier completion. People are going to be ripping Dak up and down on ESPN on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way up until next week. And then even if Dallas wins next week, it'll be an aberration. It'll be on into the next week after that. But the truth is, his receivers just flat weren't open a lot of the time. And I don't understand how Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore get to continue to run this offense out there when they're relying on like a lot of athleticism at receiver that they just don't have anymore. Right? They're anticipating guys back when they had... Gallup and CD and Amari and now they don't have Amari and CD's out there on his own because Gallup is hurt and I need guys to find soft windows and Dallas cannot seem to get that done. All right, so there'll be more football as the week continues. We'll have football all fall. Obviously, that will dominate a lot of the coverage. But also this weekend, we had Game 1 of the WNBA Finals. So we're going to have KDOT back to both break down Game 1 quickly and then help us dive into looking at the future of the series between the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun. So without further ado, let's bring back K-Dot. All right, it is WNBA Finals time, so we are joined again by K-Dot, who's become our WNBA expert. You doing all right, K-Dot? Yeah, man, everything's all good, man. I'm excited to come back on. Um, Thank you again for having me, man. Of course, of course. I'm excited because, A, we're talking... Sunday, right after game one, and it was an exciting game one. I, I told KDOT in pre-pod, I had several things on TV. It's the first NFL weekend, a couple games on there, WNBA on, it's the finals, etc. I got to say, that was, it finished as a much more exciting game, I think, than we thought it was going to be sometime in like the third quarter. So walk us through first, did you expect it to be a close game or was it, did you expect some more like the blowout we saw for the first half or so? What did you think was going to happen? 
Yeah, so um, honestly, I thought it was going to be um, a game of runs, um, and obviously it was. I think that my first anticipation was um, actually Las Vegas coming out a little more sluggish because they had a little bit more time to rest, if you will. They finished their series on Tuesday. Connecticut didn't finish their series until Thursday. So it was, you know, a two day, kind of like a day and a half gap, if you will. And then um, with, with Connecticut traveling and everything, they just had a little bit more juice up under them to continue to play. And, you know, you couldn't say that for the aces. So I thought they were going to come out um, just a little sluggish. I, I thought that it would be a little, I, I thought that it was actually be an opposite result uh meaning that connecticut would be up double digits in the first half and the aces figuring out a way to scratch and claw to uh, get back into the game but it actually um became the opposite but my my biggest takeaway um just quickly just from this game based off of my anticipation was um how i mean just how well the aces were uh in playing an ugly game um, I felt like the game was all um, Connecticut's from an ugly, messy type game standpoint. And the Aces, they did what they had to do and they played just as ugly. They played just as physical, especially in that second half. Well, and I think, frankly, if you'd have told me it was going to be an ugly game, I might have been like you. I mean, like that plays in the Connecticut's favor. You know, Vegas has been off for a little bit. Like, I, I guess I assume if I didn't know it was going to be so ugly at times, and ugly just means mucked up, physical, less baskets. I don't mean to say, like, the, they obviously can all play. <laughs> um, but if I know it's going to be an ugly game, I would have assumed you maybe have Connecticut winning by three. I, you know, if people were p- following along during the NFL games, the big moves were in the second quarter. It looked like Connecticut really turned on the defense. And then the fourth quarter, it looked like both teams were fighting for buckets, right? Um what did you see out of Connecticut that, that you think they can hold on to after that, you know, the first quarter, Las Vegas comes out plus 25 points up in 10 minutes. That's pretty, pretty tough to do. So what can Connecticut hold on to that did the rest of the game? Cause they really won the rest of the game. Yeah. So the biggest thing is offensive rebounding. Um, and when, when you look at how Connecticut, you know, plays um, they're, they're just overwhelming. Um, in their front court. And when you look at their offensive rebounds, um, I believe they had 13 offensive rebounds to Las Vegas too. Um, so that means that had, they had 11 more possessions um, that where they were able to, to try to capitalize. And it just looked like from, from that standpoint, they just weren't able to capitalize, um, especially in the second half. Um, and that's what Connecticut is going to have to continue to do in order to be successful in this series, um, their rebounding is going to be the biggest key for them. Um, if you look at the total rebounds, I believe it was um, 38 to 33. So Connecticut was a plus five in rebounding. Points off turnovers. Uh, one, one thing that we take a look at, 14 points off of turnovers for Connecticut to Las Vegas, 11 points off of turnovers. Um, 10 turnovers for Connecticut. Las Vegas had 12. So Connecticut won a lot of the battles. Um, they just didn't win this war. Um, if you if you break it down in, in that standpoint, and that's something that Kurt Miller is going to have to look at and say, hey, you know, this might be concerning. 
Um, but at the same time, like we were right there. And on the other side, Coach Becky Hammond is looking like, oh, wow, congratulations. You guys played their game and still ended up winning. And one thing that I was impressed with um, in the second half that Becky Hammond did was Becky Hammond kind of toyed with her defense and it kind of confused Connecticut. And what she did was she started flipping her defenses between two, three matchup zone and just man, just straight up man to man. And I think that from an offensive set standpoint, Connecticut were, was a little bit confused on what type of sets they needed to run against those, that type of defense. And I think that's what really got Las Vegas back into the game. And another thing is you had Kelsey Plum, who didn't have the best game. I mean, if you look at her stats, one for nine, um, one for seven from three-point range, um, she only had uh, six points. And that's not necessarily good if you have um, Connecticut looking at this from a defensive standpoint um, because you did your job on Kelsey Plum, but yet you still lost the game. And that's something, again, that's going to have to um, be looked at by Kurt Miller when he looks at film, you know, after this. And what's more impressive is just, again, Coach Becky Hammond just being able to just figure out how to just win this type of game. This was Connecticut's game for him. I would say from mid second quarter all the way up until maybe like mid fourth quarter, if you will. Um, they, they controlled the aspect of the game after being down um, as many, I believe as many as like 12 or 13 points. Um, and you saw that in the beginning of the game where Las Vegas was just clicking on all cylinders. They were making all of their shots, but once Connecticut settled down and was able to, you know, get their defense ramped up and have those. Um, I think the offensive rebounding was the was the big key. Um, you know, they were able to kind of control the game and came out in the second half firing. Um, Courtney Williams had a three-point shot, and I believe Natisha Hodeman, or it was the Wanabana, I believe, came back with a three-point shot as well to go up seven. And they controlled the game, you know, from that aspect until, you know, of course, the the run by by Las Vegas. But again, we Overall, we say this and we say that Connecticut played the game plan that they needed and they still lost the game. So that's definitely going to be something to look at if you're Kurt Miller and something to look at if you're uh, Becky Hammond and the Las Vegas Aces is how do we continue to do this, but be more efficient offensively? Yeah, that was my blanket statement across as, a, you know, in a couple of tweets after watching the game, amongst other things, is if I'm Connecticut. I think I'll let one slip. Uh, Las Vegas is not going to look that ugly throughout the series. You have to imagine if they play a full five-game series, one of those games is going to be the game where, you know, Las Vegas just scores 110 points because they don't miss. They, they seem to do that every four or five games, right? Uh, you know, Kelsey Plum is not going to have just six points every game. Asia Wilson probably does have 24 or 25 points every game. As, as crazy as it was to see her dominate a game like that, she's going to do that and more games than not in the series. That's why she's the MVP, right? Um, if I'm Las Vegas, I have to imagine that, like, Connecticut will also bounce back. Like, you know, Alyssa Thomas actually had a tremendous game, but Dewana Bonner's going to have a game in this series if it goes five, right? Uh, John Quall Jones at the 14, I think she finished with 14. It, it, she'll have games where she gets up close to that 20, 25 mark as well. Like, 
and you only won by three. <laughs> like, I feel like at some point you got to think both these teams look at the rest of the series as something could go really, really, you know, swing the other direction if they're not too careful. As you watch the game today, which of those outcomes do you see happening as the series plays out, right? So game one in Vegas today, Vegas takes it home by three points. They got another game in Vegas on Tuesday, then two in Connecticut on Thursday and then over the weekend, and then would theoretically be back in Vegas for a game five. If it goes that far. How do you see this carrying out? So as far as me looking at it uh, being carried out, uh, the way that, again, the way that today was played, um, I can definitely see the adjustments that, that will be made um, by, both, by both teams. Um, one thing that's going to concern me um, if I'm both teams is who is going to win the battle in transition. And when I saw today's game, um, and when I've seen throughout the, the throughout the season, Las Vegas has had trouble um, in transition defense. And a, a lot of what I've seen so far is that in the playoffs, um, we've seen pretty much the same thing. There, there would be like a, a, a ill-advised turnover, you know, by by Kelsey or or Chelsea. Um, there was even one in the game where. Kia Stokes didn't even look at, didn't even pay attention to the actual set that was being ran. They were running the, she was, she was setting a, she was setting a weak side screen and she wasn't supposed to set the weak side screen. She was actually supposed to turn and actually catch the ball from, from Chelsea and just did not look in that direction. And, you know, they, uh, Connecticut was able to get a fast break um, uh, a bucket out of that. And at the end of the game, you saw that, Las Vegas tried to go one four set. And what I mean by a one four set is one player is up top with the ball in their hands. You have four going down the line where you have either the four or the five set a ball screen um, for Chelsea. And what was happening was Connecticut were, was just blitzing the ball screen and they were able to get two steals off of that ball screen. What I want to see um, Las Vegas do is get more into a double drag set. And if you're looking at a secondary um, transition or if you're even just looking at just getting one bucket, you go a double drag with the four and a five with either Asia and, and Kia or you go a, a double drag with Dierica in Asia and you have Chelsea or Kelsey bring the ball up and they run that double drag set where in one at in one aspect on the weak side, you have Jackie young cutting um, to the for, for, um, basket cut, or you have um, either Dierica or Asia, depending on who's playing the four or the five um, you, you will have that four run the roll off of that drag. And it will be more confusing for Connecticut to actually blitz that because now the defenders on the, the the defenders playing the four and the five man, they have to do one of two things. They have to hedge or they have to stunt. And that's going to be difficult because if you hedge, all Asia has to do is slip to the basket and Chelsea can easily dump it, you know, for her for an easy layup. If you hedge, then it could be a case where Chelsea can split those um, and actually get a basket cut from Jackie Young to get an easy bucket. So I was just a little disappointed um, from an offensive standpoint in those last 
um, in that, I, I, I believe it was like a minute and 14 um, seconds left in the game. There were two turnovers that happened where they went the one four set where Chelsea was by herself up, up, up top and they tried to run the, the ball screen um, and they ended up getting two turnovers behind it because they were up seven and Connecticut easily went on a four run in less than 15 seconds. And they were able to, you know, um, get another uh, stop and was able to get a possession where they could tie the game. And unfortunately, they fell short with Dewana Bonner missing um, that three. Well, and for as much crap as Kurt Miller takes because they felt like they underachieved a year ago, like you didn't give some credit where credit's due, right? Like that is a strategic move where he's doubling off the ball or doubling off the screen there. I I wonder, speaking of strategic moves and call me crazy here, you mentioned Derrica Hamby. She played all of 11 minutes. I don't know where you find more minutes for her, but I do think it's interesting that she's, you know, one of the more traditional forward type players in Las Vegas. And you mentioned they gave a bunch of offensive rebounds. Like, is there some way to put another, you know, bigger body traditional forward out there and fix things? Or is it just going to kind of be, that's the tail of the game. It's just going to be Vegas is going to do their thing with their speed and offense and just hope that they can outscore Connecticut a couple of times. Or is there any value in getting Derek Hamby on the floor more? Am I just looking at it too differently? No, and there's definitely going to be a lot more value of getting Derek on the floor. And what was smart about what Becky Hammond did was Becky Hammond only played Derek Hamby in the second half. So when you're playing the game within the game, Kurt Miller is saying, oh, well, De'Erica is listed as ready to go, but she didn't play all that first, you know, that first half. So what are we doing here? Are we just sticking with Kia? We seen Ileana Rupert get some minutes um, in the first half. Um, you know, what What are we trying to do? And then all of a sudden you have, you know, De'Erica Hamby come in in those crucial minutes and she actually got a key offensive rebound. She actually got a key rebound um, and actually made a, a tremendous pass um, off the baseline when Asia was rim running after a tremendous block on Derana Bonner um, to actually go into transition and, and make a, a easy layup. And I believe that was the layup that it either had them go up two or go up four when they went on that little mini run when they were up, I believe it was uh, 55, 53. It was either 55, 53, um, or 57, 53. It was that sequence at that point. Um, so you're definitely, if you're Becky Hammond, you you want to look for more minutes for Derricka Hamby because she came in and she actually did a, a tremendous job. Um, and again, if you're looking at minutes restrictions, yeah, I believe it was only like 11 minutes Um in in that game yeah roughly 11 minutes 10 minutes and 47 seconds um but you know she was quite effective i mean the only shot that she made was that offensive rebound um you know going one for one she had three rebounds two of them <laughs> were offensive rebounds um and i think that uh it, it's very telling because even though i'm not too big of a fan of plus minus she was a plus seven so that makes it even better if you're Derek Hamby because that gives you a lot more confidence. That gives Coach Becky Hammond a lot more confidence um, in you. So I want to see her get more minutes, but I actually do also want to see Ileana Rupert get the same minutes that she was able to get today because she did a tremendous job in those spot minutes that she had and held her own when she was in there. 
one and again i just i feel like one of the things connecticut does really well is they play tall and long because you've got dewana bonner john Quill jones and uh at least thomas all on the floor at once and that's a lot of height and length in a front line but then on offense they can all catch the ball beyond three-point line and so that flexibility is something that i feel like you got to combat and vegas has with you know the multiple roles that asia wilson can play can kind of do the same kind of stuff they just seem today to opt on the whole game to have three three more traditional guards in the game um that's how they score 20 points all the time as you mentioned erica hammy came in the second half and it was a little different i just i don't know how that speaks to the series going forward if you're not that you are a betting man or not a betting man but if you're a betting man what big adjustment do you see either team making going into game two so the first adjustment that i see for connecticut is they have to make sure that when they get the offensive rebound they have to convert on the second chance I believe out of the 13 offensive rebounds, um, they've on, they only were able to score like eight points as a whole. And that's not good. Another thing is I want to see a lot more out of Natisha Hodeman. Um, even though Natisha Hodeman had a pretty solid game today, I mean, if you look at her numbers, um, 10 points she shot uh I mean, didn't shoot too well from the field, three for eight, um, but two for four from three, which is 50%, which is pretty good. I want to see a little bit, I want to see a little bit more um, playmaking action, you know, from my, from my guards. Um, Courtney Williams, she was only, um, she only had five points, two for nine shooting. Um, it, it really wasn't a game that you would expect from Courtney Williams, but the guard play is definitely something that I'm looking at because if if we are looking at it, just quite frankly, you can't just rely on Alyssa Thomas, Dewana Bonner, John Quill Jones, and Brianna Jones, right? Um, you need guards in order to win series. Just like how we talk about in the NCAA tournament, you know, guard play is going to be very important because guard play is how you control pace, how you control tempo, and if you're Connecticut and you don't have that great guard play, um, like we've seen in game five of the Chicago series, you know, that's something that's, you know, going to be detrimental to your team. And I think the adjustment is that from a offensive standpoint, when you're in the half court set, you have to do what got you the lead. And if you can do that for all four quarters, you're good to go. But if you're only doing it for maybe a quarter and a half, even two quarters is not going to get you the win because Las Vegas is very dangerous from the guard standpoint and also from that forward standpoint. And that forward standpoint, I'm talking about the dominance of Asia Wilson. And the adjustment for the Las Vegas Aces is you have to make sure that you rebound. Rebounding is going to be key because we know that the front court of the Connecticut Sun is relentless and ruthless on the boards. If you cannot rebound, even though you got away with it today, if you cannot rebound, you will not be able to win this series. And I, I listened to the post um, post game with with Becky Hammond, and, and and Coach Becky Hammond was was a little disappointed, you know, about her uh, team's effort 
especially on a rebounding end. Um, Connecticut did everything right except win the game. You know, they they basically got every 50-50 ball, if you will. They got every rebound, if you will. And again, they just happened to lose the game. And it was just the relentlessness of our, uh, you know, 2022 MVP in Asia Wilson, where she said, listen, I'm just going to try to grab every rebound possible in that second half. And that's what she did. But it's a group effort. Kia Stokes has to play better. Um, if, if Ileana Rupert is getting minutes, she's going to have to rebound. She's not known as a rebounder, but she's going to have to go in and, and get messy, get dirty. And they're going to have to grab rebounds by committee. Jackie Young um, didn't have the best game either, um, but she at least gives you chances um, defensively and on 50-50 balls. And it looked like she didn't have that today. So you're going to have to see more of that. But I think from an offensive standpoint, um, the, the Las Vegas Aces were actually better than I thought they would. Um, they just weren't able to grab rebounds. And I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment between the two. So offensively, if you're looking at it from a Connecticut standpoint, run your sets, make sure that you're running, running your sets clean, make sure that the guards are doing what they need to do. Um, and then if you're on the uh, Las Vegas end, definitely, 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 you have to rebound the ball. Yeah, it's just interesting that, like, it, anyway, again, you mentioned Connecticut did everything right. And if you had told me yesterday that the game was going to be in the mid-60s, it was going to be a three-point game, uh, like, again, those are just things that play in their favor. I just – I'm trying to figure out outside of, you know, maybe getting a little bit more out of Dewana Bonner on the offensive side of the floor. She shot one for nine, and I have to imagine she probably shoots at least, you know, makes a couple more baskets in the traditional game. Um, outside of that, I'm not sure what you could get out of them. Alyssa Thomas did very, very well for them. Heidemann, I, I want her to score more, but also what I like, I would rather some more shots, like continue to feed Bonner and those kinds of things. I don't know where they come from necessarily. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like Connecticut, I said this about 10 minutes ago, I feel like they let one get away and I, worry that that so vegas comes out i think they have a big game too i imagine they take one of the two in uh in connecticut as well you know down down to nothing i imagine that connecticut can win three anyway i just feel like this could end up being a very decisive game in the series and it's already that's unfortunate for connecticut um kdot people follow wnba and they follow wnba twitter is a lot of fun you're on it a lot where are you these days and what kind of things are you working on as WNBA finals kick off? So um, before, before I answer that, I, I, I know I'm your special guest, but I also have a special guest that um, he's basically my shadow. Um, and he follows, he follows me basically everywhere I go and watches everything that I watch. So I want to introduce um, to, you know, the podcast world, my son um, Chandler and Say hi right quick. Hey, Chandler. Talking, talking to the mic. Hi. <laughs> He's a little nervous. Um, so I just want him to answer this one question and hopefully, you know, um, you know, your your listeners could just get a sneak peek of what the future would look like. Um, so so Chandler, um, we watched the game today, right? Um, I just want you to answer uh what did you think? both teams needed to do so let's start off with the connecticut sun what did you think the connecticut sun need to do to win the game 
play more play more defense and offense. <laughs> okay. And the same the same question for the Las Vegas Aces. What did you think the Las Vegas the Las Vegas Aces did to win that game? They play more offense and more defense. <laughs> and there you have it. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. So <laughs> He, he was begging me. He was like, hey, can I, you know, can I talk? Can I talk? And I was like, listen, if you're not going to be nervous, then I'll, I'll allow it. So, you know, um, but uh, just like, you know, just like you said, um, Parker, I am everywhere <laughs> in, in the social media um, areas, platforms. We are uh, the 9450 Basketball Network is just making a lot of moves. Um, and hopefully on Monday, uh, you will be able to, you know, get a special, um, special show out of us. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 9450. Um, and we're, we're doing a lot of things from just a overall basketball standpoint. Um, make sure I want to give a quick shout out to a, to a few other, um, people within, within the community. Um, I want to give a shout out to the committee. Um, they always do a great job and, um, and doing, uh, a lot of WNBA work. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Hoopstresses. Um, they also do a lot of great work um, in, in their in their dealings. So um, definitely want to continue to reach out to the community and um, make sure that everybody is tuned in to you know WNBA work. And thank you, Parker, um, for everything that you do in your space. I know you wanted me to kind of you know give a sneak peek of of what I'm. I'm doing, but I'm giving flowers to everybody today, basically. And you definitely deserve flowers because, you know, you've had me on as a guest a few times and I, I just want to thank you. But um, again, you know, just a lot of things um, down the pike coming uh, for WNBA Twitter. So please take a look out for that. Again, follow the 9450 at the 9450 on Instagram and Twitter. We um, we are having shows uh, that will be coming out, you know, between um, tonight and tomorrow. Again, possibly a special guest cannot, um, you know, give <laughs> the details right now. Uh, we're we're confirming the schedule, but um, it, you won't miss it. I, I, I guarantee you, you do not want to miss this one. Um, and uh, we might even be on on spaces, uh, Twitter spaces. So just keep a lookout for that. But um, yeah, I'm just, you know, continuing to, you know, work hard and um, just amplify the, the WNBA, you know, as a, as a league um, and, and as basketball, um, as a sport. And again, I just really appreciate you having me on and thank you for, you know, having this conversation about game one. For sure, man. Again, it's a fun, fun series. And if, if game one, as close as it was, is an indication for the series, it's going to be a fun time all the way across, hopefully five games of it. Uh, that's, k.lu3h on twitter make sure you follow him and all the stuff everybody's doing uh again thank you for coming on today k dot and hopefully we can talk like maybe a wrap up the series later when, when the whole thing's over we'll see what the series looks like all right thank you man absolutely i appreciate it okay parker so the thesis statement for this commercial is james harden has the best beard in sports what do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But 
you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the Beard Struggle. The Beard Struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're a listener to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right, so we got some gold stars and detentions in from the NFL weekend. Be on the lookout for more NFL content throughout the week. We also got to preview the WNBA Finals by having our man KDOT come in here and talk about Game 1 and look ahead to Games 2 through potentially 5. Shouts to KDOT for coming on the show again. He's becoming our WNBA expert. WNBA is a ton of fun. The Finals look like going to be a great series, so make sure you tune in and support the W. If you want to support this show on social media, you can find us at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram and at FN Sports 2 on Twitter. It's F-I-N-S-P-U-R-T-S number 2, all one word on Twitter. In the link tree that is in the bio for both social media handles, you can find a link to all of our various sponsors. That's AimTheClutch.com, that's Yeti, that's The Beard Struggle, etc. You can also find a link to our merch store in which you can buy all kinds of different caps, t-shirts, mugs, and hoodies that support various charitable causes for September. We're preaching the Flunk Alzheimer's campaign. All proceeds go to the Alzheimer's Association, so make sure you grab a t-shirt and support a great cause and support the show. If you're looking for me and my personal stuff on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Instagram and Twitter. I'll post things that I'm writing, recording, thinking, things I'm winning on sneakers, things I'm losing like my Texas Longhorns and the Houston Rockets, etc. So make sure you follow me at Painsworth512 on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to support the show for free, you can download, you can subscribe, you can give us a five-star rating, leave us a positive review, do all the wonderful things to help out the podcast, and whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 